basketball was my life. Like from high school through college, I was for real going to be uh, an NBA player for sure. Like I was, I felt like I was pretty good playing street ball. Let's go. <laughs> Let me just first start off and say this studio is dope. If y'all get invited to do this and you're like, oh man, I want to come all the way to Orlando. Like I'm all the way over here, over here. Like you just need to make a trip or double down and, and see someone else while you're here, whatever it is. Cause this thing is nice. Oh, Best man. one I've been on. So kudos <laughs> to y'all. Yes. Yes. By the way, Troy is like truly a bodyguard. The guy's like <laughs> six five. He's like two twenty. Oh, His shirts popping. Got a tattoo. So you'll get to meet Troy as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Again, a pleasure having you here, man. We're really excited about today's episode. Uh, we really want to give the viewers a chance to have insight into who you are and the man, the myth, the legend. We've heard so many great things about you. People probably have heard so many great things about you. Yeah. So why don't you start off by just telling us who you are? What's your story, bro? Sure. So I'm a multifamily broker. I cover the northern half of Florida. I do anything over 10 units, um, conventional and student housing. Um, I grew up in a real small town, Wilaka. Today is only 300 people. 300. Yeah, yeah. Fishing town. So I grew up, I, I, I can remember being as early as 10 years old, taking out a 150 horsepower Mercury bass boat by myself out on the St. John's River. And that was back in the day when the parents were just kind of like, you know, be home for dinner, right? And so we'd go out fishing all the time. And that was awesome. Um, and then my, uh, my mom, um, she was a teacher. She um, started teaching at Pearson Taylor High School, which was in Pearson. So we moved to DeLand. Um, so my graduating class in high school was only 69 people. So again, another small town, Pearson's super small. Deland, where I lived was super small. Um, and I had some friends who were a couple years ahead of me and they were going to the university of Florida and, uh, I didn't have any, you know, I, I was definitely gonna go to college, but I didn't have any like choices in college. I wasn't like really thinking about it. I would just go visit them and basketball was my life. Like from high school through college, I was for real going to be uh, an NBA player for sure. Like I was, I felt like I was pretty good playing street ball, right? So that, but I never played any any P time actually in high school, right? Like I would sit the bench all the time. But I tell you this story because we would go to Gainesville all the time to visit my friends who were a couple of years ahead of me. They were in college. I was still in high school as a senior. And you could play basketball anywhere on UF campus, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, there was a game going on. That was my choice to go to school at UF just because of that, right? Um, got a degree in marketing, got a de master's degree in real estate, um, started uh, doing brokerage and management for a commercial portfolio, and then went exclusive into multifamily. Oh my goodness. I really love that 
Orlando Magic was that was the team, man. I mean, oh Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, that was like I was sold. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I can tell Gainesville, especially you, have a special place in their heart just for that reason. Yes, that is really cool. Awesome, awesome. So went to UF, got a marketing degree, and then decided to start selling multifamily buildings. Yeah. Early on, what was that process like for you? Was it smooth selling? Was it just an easy transition? You know, talk about the, the economy when you first entered and yeah. kind of where it's at now. So um, my first 10 years of my career, I worked for a developer and brokered and managed office, retail, industrial. Um, we had some multifamily as well. And so I did a lot of leasing transactions, sale transactions. Um, and a buddy of mine who owned the Colwell Banker and the Colwell Banker commercial started talking in my ear. You know, we're fishing together. We're going hunting a couple of times. And he's like, dude, he's like, you know, you've done so incredible for one guy what if you started brokering for five guys? What if you started brokering deals for 10 guys, 20 guys? And it's crazy because I'd, I'd done it for 10 years for one group and never thought about like doing this for a number of people, right? And so it started, it's just, it just it was always in my head, man. And he just kept calling me and we'd go fishing all of a sudden. So we struck a deal where I could acquire um, the Cobalt Banker and the Cobalt Banker commercial. This was in 2010. Okay. So still pits of hell. I mean, the brokerage was teetering on not being able to make it. All brokerages were hurting bad still from at that time. They were still recovering. But I saw an opportunity where I could buy into a brokerage that I otherwise couldn't have afforded, right, and be able to take something from the ground floor. And so I started doing general brokerage, including multifamily, um, for 10 guys, 20 guys, 30 guys. The, number, the very first year, I was the number one broker in the entire region residential, commercial, whatever it was. I did $26 million year one, right? It was nuts. So I'm like, yo, I made the right move. This is crazy, right? It was just crazy. Um, you know, before that, I had made $200,000, $250,000 a year, right? And so we were just, which don't get me wrong, was great, but I was killing it. But it was only two, three years that went by, I started, I started noticing like, an outside broker who came from South Florida came to Gainesville and started gobbling up market share. And he wasn't even a national. And so I was thinking, I was like, dude, I was like, if some guy could do that so easily, what if C.B. Richard Ellis comes to Gainesville? What if Colliers comes to Gainesville? Whatever it is. So specialization was what I started thinking about. Um, and meanwhile, you know, I'm working 80, 90, 100 hours a week. I'm doing $500 commissions to $100,000 commissions. It didn't make any sense. And specialization kept coming back at me. Um, so when I started with the developers, 2002, um, the market was okay. And then when I made the leap um, into all multifamily, it was like 2014-ish, somewhere in there. And uh, best decision ever made. So just total concentration. I love that. That is so cool. And I think one thing that's unique about you and where you're at today is I personally, I don't know of any um, brokers who basically do everything themselves. Like they're the only broker mm. at their company. Yeah. And you have, like, I think successful is such an understatement. You have legit killed it. Thanks, man. Like, Thank you. You've been the top guy. And so I'd ask, I actually want to ask you if you could share some advice you know, to some of the viewers. How did you build that brand, that Oof. reputation? What was the work like you had to put in? What was your mindset? Yeah. How did you climb that mountaintop to get to where you're at? Great question, man. I, I always tell people that I am a marketing person who learned real estate. 
not a real estate person who later maybe learned to market themselves. And there's a big distinction there. Um, there's plenty of guys who I compete against and who I broker for that are far smarter than me in real estate. They can do better calculations, get better debt, and see the future better on what things could be worth in the future. But I was always good at sort of marketing and not just marketing myself, but understanding what the customer wants, right? Um, there's a good book called, I think it's called The Brand Story or something like that. It talks about how you want to speak to the customer the way they want to be spoken to. Um, so even when I worked for the developer, I began building my brand. Um, I began, I, I felt like um, people would buy and lease more inventory when they trusted you. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of other great competition in the market. There was a few other guys who were really good. And so I started tracking every sale I did and I would do write-ups on it. And I would, I created social media uh, stuff when I, a whole lot of people had a social media stuff and started doing videos way before videos were done. And it was all really just to make, I wanted to have a warm conversation with someone rather than a cold call. I never liked cold calls. I could, I was never able to someone call up someone and say, Hey, my name is Bo Beery. The market's amazing. You should sell. You should listen to me. Right. Yeah. My whole idea from when I started with, with my first job was if I built, built enough of a name for myself, doing the right things, but not saying, I'm Bo Beery, I'm the best, I sell a crap load, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's more about just kind of putting out awesome content and information about the markets. In return, everybody would know me. If I had signs everywhere and I had video covered and social media and I got testimonials from people that people knew and put it out there, it was just anywhere you turned, if you heard about me, when I go to make a phone call to someone who owns a $20 million asset, my whole goal was before I say my name is Bo Beery, I'm in the, you know, blank, blank, blank market. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've already heard about you. Yeah, I've been following you guys. For, I've been following you for years. I've been seeing your stuff. I've been getting your mailings for 15 years. You know, I've been getting your emails for 10 years. And, you know, and, and, and you sold for so-and-so who's my cousin. And, like, that was my whole thing. And that's that's my whole that's my whole spiel today is just add so much value in someone's personal and business lives that when it's time for them to sell, they think of you. Big deal, right? So like, you know, I've never been, I'm going off on a little bit of tangent. Let me just continue on it. I've never been able to convince someone to sell a, an apartment complex. I've never gotten on the phone with someone who wasn't a seller, right? and then convince them why they should sell their $10 million asset. I've never been able to do it, right? All we can do is just add enough value in their lives without any, you know, want for something in return so that when it's time in their cycle, refinance, they've added enough value, partner died, divorce, whatever it is, they think of you. That is so good. Um, you made me think about a few different things right there, but one thing that I can really attest to about yourself is your level of being able to educate sellers. Like you go to Bo's site right now, <laughs> he's gonna have all the statistics for Gainesville on his site. Like he's he's very prominent about posting um, the recent sales history. Um, I, I'll see you post on LinkedIn all the time. About yeah, these are the amount of deals that I've sold in the last six months in this area. Like you know your market. Like, yeah, and you educate sellers on that, and I think that creates that that trust and that brand awareness for yourself. That's a that's a very good point. Um, one thing that you talk about too, that we kind of talk about often with, with, on this podcast and with brokers, mm -hmm. um, is adding value. And that's a common term that you hear in the real estate industry. And I think it looks different depending on who you ask. 
Um, but you said something that I actually haven't heard a broker say to me or a guest say to me is that you want to add value personally and professionally. Yeah. And so if you could give an insight on what that looks like for you and your experience and how does that work out for you? Yeah. So in, in my conversations, I, yes, I try to provide all kinds of market data, like insane depth market data, right? There's the typical brokerage that produces a 65 page market report that they give to their brokers and their brokers mass email it that nobody reads. I create 10 second bits of something in the market or a particular complex or whatever it is that is fruitful, right? So that's my lead in into a conversation. And in conversations I have over time, months and years, I find out little bits of personal things about people, right? Who their daughters or sons are, where they go to school, what their hobbies are, what they do on the weekends, the boat they just bought, the fishing trip they just went on, whatever it is, I'm constantly taking notes about these conversations, right? Like they don't know it, but I have my earpiece, I have my little headpiece on, and the whole time they're talking, I'm just typing all kinds of stuff. I've got notes about people that if they knew the kind of notes I had about them, they'd be freaked out. <laughs> I don't do it to be freaked them out, but I, I, it's because I want to add value to them. Right. Like I want to be, I want to be, think about me. Selfishly, my whole goal is if they could go to dinner after the first phone call with me, like we have, I just made this introductory phone call. The guy just bought a cartonet complex in my market for the first time. He may own 5,000 units in California, just bought something in Tallahassee, right? Hey, my name is Bo Beerus. You just bought so-and-so. We'd love to talk to you about buying more, right? And so we get to talking and I learn more personal stuff. I want to, I want to wow him so much in that call, not just about business, but about personal and commonalities that when he or she goes to dinner that evening with their spouse, they're like, honey, this dude, Bo, Bo Beery, called me today about one of our complexes. You wouldn't believe the kind of intel this guy has in the market. And by the way, he also went to this you know, car thing, and he also does this, and he knew about this. And can you believe that? Right? Like, I want that kind of experience every single time. Absolutely, man. Like, for those of you listening, I hope you had your headset on. I hope you were taking notes. Because <laughs> you just gave a whole masterclass on how to sell yourself, or how to build a brand, how to sell to potential clients and how to sell your services. That was, that was amazing. That was actually really So the, so the, the personal, to, to finish the, the personal stuff that I'm accumulating from these conversations, um, I, all of my customers are ranked A, B, and C, which dictates the type of follow-up I'm going to do with them, right? Like a rank A customer, someone I'm calling or touching base with every 60 days, rank B's and C's are different, right? But when that call comes up 60 days from now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to add value in their business? And then how can I maybe add value in their personal life, right? Because someone's a car guy, it's going to be easy for me. I might text them something like a car show coming up or whatever. Or if he's going on a trip to Europe or whatever, I might go and find something resourceful that could be useful, right? Just so it's, but you can't remember all that stuff if you aren't, you, you know, using a CRM and being mindful to actually inquire about someone beyond trying to get a freaking listing, which is what everybody else does. Right, right. Man, that is, again, that is so good. It reminds me of the book of Mr. Smooth. Have you read that one? What? Oh, my God. I told you about Mr. Smooth, man. <laughs> what? Mr. Smooth. Y'all got to get Mr. Smooth. have to get that. If you haven't read So Mr. good. Smooth, I feel like I'm looking at Mr. Smooth right now. <laughs> like he just smooths me. I that was, is a I great book. I don't even have one. <laughs> Yeah, that was so good. That was really good. I really hope people took heed to that because that is so important, what you just said, 
like being able to relate not just on a professional level but personally everything is a people business we're human at the yeah. end of the day and we want to do people I think I heard this quote um, on Instagram or, or somewhere the other day is people do business people they like boom like, I was like literally you, just about to say that. that's what it is if somebody likes you they're going to want to use you for their services and yeah again the service you provide it's not a small thing like these are hundreds of thousands millions of dollars yeah. of assets that people want to you know liquidate and sell to feed their families and yeah. their next business venture so I think that is uh, that is spot on yeah and the in the the real estate component of that any broker can help them do it, yeah. it honestly it's not hard to sell an apartment complex yeah. everybody wants them right and it's not hard to get the highest price most reasonably confident brokers can people want to do business with people they like it's why I have in many times in my career lost listings to folks who have never even sold an apartment complex. I can remember two years ago, I lost a deal to a residential agent who only sells condos, not even houses, just condos, never sold an apartment complex in their lives, but their neighbors, right? Or their church members or their cousin has so-and-so, right? So people, that's a huge component of that. That's why I spend so much time building relationship. Plus this business eats up so much of our lives. Yeah. You know, if we if we didn't have relationships within the business and it was just our family, it's a lot more depressing. Like if it's just all business, right? I want to have friends that I work with on a regular basis. It's part of the reason I'm here as well, right? Like if I didn't know you guys, I wouldn't make all this trip. I'm sure as how glad I did though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, we appreciate you coming too. Yeah. I kind of want to um, shift a little bit and kind of dive a little bit more about um, some of the things that you've experienced in your career. I really think storytelling is just a way mm. for people to learn. Mm. And so I got to ask you this question. What was a, a defining moment for you in your career that you can think of, you know, whether it was something big or small or it did went bad or yeah. what's the defining moment for you? Oh man, a couple of them. Um, I would say, first of all, um, you know, understanding the scale of, you know, when I, when I made the leap of going from, you know, working with one individual, right. And building that portfolio to helping lots, that was, that was sort of the impetus of making the jump from being a salaried plus commissioned person to an all commissioned person. Right. Um, but I would think, I I would say the two other biggest leaps of my career, three biggest leaps. Okay. Number one, coaching. Write it down. <laughs> Can I get one of these now? Amen. Now, coaching was huge, bro. Like, um, I mean, it wasn't a few years into my business that I, I was just pulling my hair out, right? I was, yes, making good money, doing lots of transactions, but had no life, right? And I've, I've told this story a few times, but coaching sort of honed me into a concentration on multifamily. Uh, helped me um, hire the right folks, um, you know, get back down to under 50 hours a week, you know, giving you life, being more efficient, um, noticing margin, right, which is kind of like the personal part of your life and the hobbies and so forth. Um, I would say the next defining moment was hiring Tracy Ross on my team. Um, Tracy Ross is like the heart, right, of the body. I mean, she's, she does everything that I shouldn't be, right? That I shouldn't be doing so that I can only do the most important things. Yeah, for real. I mean, I took us, took you to the next level. Um, and then the third component of career wise was a CRM. (laughs) So many people underestimate the power of a, of a customer relationship management software. 
and the folks who have them, most of them don't use them to their capacities, right? But there's unbelievable amount of things you can handle at one time when you have a system that's tracking your history and scheduling your next event and, and holding in notes and all kinds of stuff, right? So those were big trajectories for me. I, I love that. Um, three big things that I think uh, most people listening to this can take away as far as when they're adding to their business or even just trying to invest in real estate, you know, join a syndication or just start whatever they're trying to do. I think those three things are very practical. Yeah. Um, and tangible. you probably can't find a Tracy everywhere. So <laughs> for Tracy, but um, hiring the right people is important. Yeah. And I think that's, that's key for any business. Um, along with, you know, defining moments or, or things that you've done in your career, what was your favorite deal that you were able to be a part of? Or uh, that's easy. Deal? That's an easy one. Um, so, in Gainesville and in the Gainesville market. So I cover the northern half of Florida, but I'm based in Gainesville. And in the Gainesville market, which I've been in since the late 90s, um, is the Butler family. And the Butler family built uh, Butler Plaza um, and Butler North. So it's roughly like 2 million square feet of retail. Um, and they had this one apartment complex that they built in 1965. Um, and they've owned it ever since. And in the last several years, they had vacated the whole building um, the father who built it had passed away. The daughter had been running the business. Um, Deborah, who's a phenomenal businesswoman. Um, and I had been after, so it's, you can think it's a, it's a 12 story vacant apartment building in a phenomenal location on the water in Gainesville, tallest apartment building in Gainesville. Um, and it just been sitting there for a couple of years and it was vacant. And, um, three, four years before it went vacant, I had been calling wanting to sell that asset, right? Because it's it's not their business. Their business is retail. They didn't pay attention a whole lot, pay attention uh, to, to multifamily. And, you know, I knew the rents weren't where they were supposed to be. And I knew every broker on the planet was calling for this listing. I, you know, just all, I mean, literally weekly trying to call. And I had developed a good relationship with Deborah over over a long, long period of time, even working for the gentleman I worked for because they were on the on bank boards together. And uh, and I um, when I wrote I wrote the book, The Multifamily Investors Who Dominate, sent that to her. And soon after, I still don't know if that was the reason she had finally called me because uh, we had had a couple of meetings about selling. It just just wasn't time, wasn't time, wasn't time. She finally called me, and I think it was 2020. And so that was my favorite transaction, a couple of reasons. Number one, that a family who had built something, call it 55 years ago, um, and, and the, the man who built it has since passed away, she's taken over the business. There's a lot of emotional component to that. That, that property was like, um, it, it was sort of the, one of the last physical um, representations of her father. It was a very important asset to not just her, but the whole company. Yeah. And she chose me, right? And then the second part I loved about it was um, we developed this amazing marketing video for the, for the asset itself, in which we incorporated her as well into the video, and she loved that. And then, um, and, and then thirdly, the, I think we got 13 or 14 offers in like a week or so. The buyer bought it sight unseen, never set foot on it, hardly ever heard from him at all. It was so spooky I had to call ahead of time to other brokers who had done business with them to confirm, yeah, this dude's for real. And, uh, and so they're, they're still working on plans to redevelop the whole thing, build new additional units, but it was awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. I'm just imagining, wow, 12 stories, yeah. vacant, and your book, 
you know, is what kind of set you apart. Why don't you kind of dive deep into the book? Like, I know you wrote yeah. a, a best-selling book. Uh, yep. It's a book that I read a few times, and I'm sure a bunch of our staff members have read. I think we gifted it to everybody. Yeah. Uh, it was that good. Legit. Awesome. It was amazing. My man. My man. Why don't you talk a little bit about the book yeah. and kind of tell us why you wrote it, what the inspiration behind it is. Sure. My coach had been pushing me to write a book for at least a couple of years. And it just, we just get busy in our lives, right? And we don't, we don't, we can't even think about writing a book, especially if we'd ever written a book before. So finally it got in my head to write this book. And I just thought to myself, like, if, you know, if I could help one or two groups buy a couple more deals, it would be worth it. And hell, if I, if I got one extra listing, in the next 20 years, because someone read my book and said, that dude knows what he's talking about, it would be worth it, right? Um, and so the book is called Multifamily Investors Who Dominate. If you've ever seen the Jerry Maguire movie, right, that movie was based on a manuscript he wrote about how he believes the, the business is going in the wrong direction and how it should be and what it should look like and what your agent should look like and how you can do more business and blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of my impetus was I saw... I saw so many people do it wrong to grow their business and not last very long. I saw so many people who did okay at it. They bought a deal every couple of years, right? And, and that might be okay for some, a lot of folks. But then there was a very, very small number of investors, what I call elite, elite investors in the, in the book, who, are, who represent one half of 1% of all investors. I literally calculated in my portfolio who buy so many more deals per year over a long career. And I wanted to start documenting everything they did, right? Like from soup to nuts, what they did differently from everybody else, right? <clears throat> and so it only took me like 75, 90 days to write it. it took much wow. longer to actually get to Amazon and, and we recorded an Audible and Kindle, but it was super well received because it, 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 it circles around two, two things. Number one is that brokers are the ones you want to develop these relationships with. Over 90% of all the deals over 10 units are done by brokers. And number two, reputation is everything in this business, right? So in my market, the northern half of Florida, Florida is arguably probably one of the top three states in the entire United States for multifamily. I cover the northern half. And you think about all the apartment complexes that are there. The reality is there's only 2,045 apartment complexes over 10 units, and they're owned by only 985 people. That's it, 985. And of those 985, the people who I've dubbed as rank A is only about 120, 130 people in the world. And people could be REITs, nationals, syndicators, small mom and pops, whatever it is. 123. My whole business evolves around those 123. And a lot of those 123 are um, elite, but very, very, very few of them. Wow. Like, I just, again, I, I don't even know too many brokers who can just spit off the facts like that. Right? You got to know them. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> right. That, that is so cool. Um, speaking of your book, like, the thing I just keep thinking about as you were talking in regards to one, how you built your business, two, how you said your coach, you know, helped you or encouraged you to write the book and you found a time and three when you talked about the niche of your business being focused around you know those 120 130 people is i find that the people who are the best at what they do are really aware and the thing that i keep hearing from Ooh. you is, is how aware self-awareness you are of yourself mm -hmm. of those that you do business with 
those who are your competitors. Like you were able to lift off. What are some of the comments you're getting for and start seeing like, oh, I gotta start yeah. like the awareness to be able to say, hey, I need to pivot here, right? Like mm. practice changing. Let me focus on this. All right, I know I'm really good at producing, but let me hone in. Let me get a coach. You know what I mean? I know I've got a lot of good things. Let me actually hire out this so I can be able to focus on this. The awareness for me is what sticks out that I keep hearing that you were able to, um, you know, be able to be proactive in, in, in implementing that into your career and your business. And so I just want to say one, kudos <laughs> to you, but I just want to kind of go deeper into that. Like, how, did, how important do you feel awareness is? You know, how has that evolved for you? Yeah. Um, and kind of what you've been able to build as far as your brand and your company and kind of what does that look like as far as, you know, as you grow? Like, this is not the end for Bobo. It's yeah. Be here in selling buildings 30, 40 years from now. Yep. You know what I mean? So what does that look like for you? How does that evolve? Um, let me just start granular. I think uh, social IQ, social awareness, whatever it is, is 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 a huge skill, man. And it's it's so lacking in so many human beings. And and the younger folks are today, the I feel like the less self aware they are, for whatever reason. Um, I mean, obviously you're you're obviously oh well, yeah, it is. I mean, truly. I mean, I've 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 spoken to lots of folks, right? And it's hard to have even eye to eye conversations and. Um, and all those things a lot of folks complain about, but the self-awareness part to be able to even just at a granular level on the telephone, being, being on the, like when you're making um, phone calls to be able to be enough aware that this person isn't digging the phone call, they're in a rush or something's going on, or that this person does want to talk more, right? And so you're going to let them talk and stop interjecting on how much you want to show them how smart you are, right? To being in a transaction and being aware of, how far this seller can be pushed and how far this buyer can't be pushed. And so there's just all kinds of, and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know how you improve the skill. I don't know if it's, maybe it's reading books, maybe it's listening to enough seminars, talking to people. I don't know how you build the skill. I just know having that skill has been super beneficial for me. I'm always hyper aware of how that person is feeling across from me or on the phone or the situation, because I'm always trying to put myself in their in their position. Empathy is enormous. I talk about it in my book, right? Empathy is in, when, when transactions go awry, whether it be a real estate transaction or something in your personal life, is is stopping yourself from doing that immediate ignorant reaction. And social media is the worst at it, right? Absolutely. And instead, putting yourself in the other person's position and under, trying to understand, okay, well, why are they feeling that way? Why are they thinking that way? Okay. When a, when a, when a buyer redlines a, a purchase contract in 3,800 different ways, right. Instead of just being like, Oh, that's ridiculous. I've, as a seller, I've used that contract 300 times for the last 30 years. And I've never had more than three red lines. I'm not doing this deal. Right. Like, let's just chill. Let's sit back a little bit. Let's go. Let me go over these things with him and find out what his concerns are. Right. And if you can approach it in that way, in that kind of self-awareness, you can go so much further, right? Um, I hire for self-awareness. I just brought on a young guy, Joe Clank. Um, anytime I hire someone, they go through a personality test, right? It's called the AVA model. And I have someone sort of, um, they, they answer a whole bunch of questions and it spits back how I can work with that person, what their strengths and weaknesses are, how we can work together, um, so we can make sure we're not putting them in the wrong role, right? Because I want them to be have enough self-awareness to to be able to to grow in the business, if you will. Um, so I, you know, for to answer your question, long term for me, I'm not trying to be a big brokerage. 
I wasn't ever going to hire anybody, but I saw a need for under 10 units and hired Joe and he's killing it. Right. Um, I just want to continue to deliver phenomenal customer service, be different, add value. And I don't really plan to retire. I don't see myself just like sailing off into the sun. I enjoy doing this. Come back for part two on August 25th. We're Invested Podcast is produced by Atrium Management Company. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.